Uh, so we are still in chapter 4. We're going to finish chapter 4 today, God willing, and um, we'll move on to chapter 5 next week. And so I'm just going to give you, I'm going to front load, I'm going to give you all three points up front, and then we'll unpack all of the things. Um, so the three main takeaways this morning are uh, God wants us uh, to protect ourselves from demonic influence. And so you need to protect yourself from demonic influence. You need to protect others through intercessory prayer. And you need to protect your purpose. Father, I pray that you make your word known to us. May it communicate truth to our hearts. May it change us from the inside out. May we walk out these doors different than when we walked in because of your uh, truth and your Holy Spirit at work in our lives. And we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. So Jesus, he, he leaves uh, the, the synagogue and then he goes down in verse 31. He goes down to Capernaum, which is a city of Galilee. Uh, and, and he was teaching them on the Sabbath, and they were astonished at his teaching. For his word possessed authority. And in the synagogue there was a man who had a spirit of an unclean demon. Some, some translations say unclean spirit, um, uh, an evil spirit. And he cried out with a loud voice, Ha! <laughs> I was going to do a demon voice, but I don't know what that sounds like. <laughs> Ha! <laughs> what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Um, sorry, sorry. Um, have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the demon had thrown him down in their midst. He came out of him, having done him no harm. And they were all amazed and said to one another, What is this word for the authority? Uh, for with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. And reports about him went out into every place in the surrounding region. So this is the first exorcism recorded in Luke, and it's the first of 21 miracles that are performed in, uh, by Jesus and, and recorded in, in Luke. So I, I want to take a little bit of time, just because I think there's some misconceptions about uh, the demonic and the spiritual darkness and, and demons, that I, I just want to take a little bit of time and explain that this man who had an unclean demon, unclean spirit, evil spirit, but I want to give this disclaimer. C.S. Lewis wrote this. There, there are two equal and opposite errors in which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence, and the other is to believe and feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. And so when I open this up and we uh, decide to talk about uh, the demonic, I, I don't want us to become fascinated with this evil world, but I also want to acknowledge that they exist. And so, um, first of all, I, I want to address the question, who can be demonized? Who can be demon-possessed? Uh, people, scholars, are, not scholars, but pastors have decided to use the word demonized because uh, uh, demon-possessed tends to, to imply that they own you, that they possess you, and they're saying, no, God still owns the person. God still, uh, but, but, so they're demonized, but most of you probably have heard uh, possessed by a demon. Um, so, so who can be demonized? The answer is anyone who doesn't have the Holy Spirit. So anyone who isn't a Christian can, in fact, be possessed by a, a demon, 
but the good news for you, if you are a Christian, is that it's impossible for you to be possessed by a demon. It's impossible for, you, for a demon to uh, enter into you and control you like we see in the Bible. And if you disagree with that, come talk to me and I'll, I'll just give you some examples now. Um, uh, so we see in, in 1 John 4, 4, little children, you are from God and have overcome them for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Uh, so if you have the Holy Spirit in you, how in the world could a demon who's lesser than God come into you? Uh, because he who is greater than you is he who is in, uh, than he who is in the world. We see in, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 13, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. So he's taken us from the domain of darkness. We're no longer uh, in that realm, but now we are in his kingdom and we have redemption. And then we see in 1 John 5.18, we know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning. But he who was born of God protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. So that that word, keep on sinning, is make a practice of sinning. Uh, So a Christian, a true believer in Jesus, is not going to uh, uh, feel good about a practice of sinning. They're not going to be okay in their spirit. We're all going to mess up. We're all going to make mistakes. But a true believer, one that follows Jesus, isn't going to keep on sinning and make a practice of sinning and and make a lifestyle out of sinning. I would say if you're still doing that and you're calling yourself a Christian, uh, you're probably not a Christian. You probably haven't truly confessed Jesus as Lord if you're okay with um, just living a lifestyle of sin while calling yourself a Christian. That's a side point. Okay, Um, the next question is, what is a demon? What is a demon? Well, it's a fallen angel, and we know this from Revelation chapter 12, uh, and we'll start in verse 7. Now war arose in heaven, and Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back, but he was defeated, and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down. If you don't know who the dragon is, he explains. That ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, uh, the deceiver of the whole world. Like, it's very clear. Uh, like, a lot of revelation is not very clear, and it's, what does this mean, and what's this symbol? But he, he explains who the great dragon is. Um, and so he's thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. And so the angels, uh, the fallen angels, we, we call, in our vernacular, we call demons. Um, and so they, they fell with Satan. And a side point uh, that's not in my notes um, is that, so Michael is an archangel, and he's the main one fighting the devil. He's fighting Satan, and Michael wins. And, and oftentimes, I, I think that, that we see God and the devil as equal and opposite powers, but that's just not true. It's not, he's not even, it's not, it's not even, he's an angel himself. He's a created being and who, who fell. And so his counterpart is Michael, and, and Michael was still stronger and defeated the devil. And so when you get overwhelmed by, oh, the devil's after me or the demons are after me, just remember that your God is so much greater than anything that they can throw at you, okay? So um, I, I don't want you to be uh, confused as we're talking about demons and the devil that, oh, it's, it's scary and dark. And yes, it is. And you should be uh, protecting yourself from that. But, but just know that God isn't threatened by, by the devil. 
So, so uh, demons are, are fallen angels. They were thrown down to earth. And so my last uh, question is, is, what do demons set out to do? And I, I'll say this. They're, the, they're fallen angels, and angels are God's messengers. So the uh, angels' uh, mission is to be God's messenger. And so the fallen angels are kind of the opposite of that. They're the anti-messenger of God. So they're trying to stop God's word from entering into your hearts. They're trying to stop uh, God's uh, uh, will from being done. And so they are, uh, they're, they're delaying, they're tempting people, they're destroying. And, and so um, just be aware of that, that there are uh, truly, there's demons in this world. It's not, some, it's not just something you see on TV or, or on movies or hear about, but they're real. And, and so my next question is, how do you avoid demons? How do you avoid them? Uh, the truth is you can't. <laughs> you, you can't avoid them, but you can prevent them from taking up residence in your life. Uh, you can protect yourself from demonic influence. I'm just going to give three quick examples, and then we'll move to the next section. But um, the first thing that you can do to protect yourself from demonic influence is to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Um, at the moment of salvation, when you confess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, the Holy Spirit comes upon you and in you, fills you. So, so um, you are no longer in the domain of darkness, but now you are in the kingdom of, of Jesus and, and you're clothed in Christ's righteousness. And so no longer can a demon control and, and possess you. That's the reason that, that when, when people get saved, they're, they're not even interested in the things that they used to be interested in. It, it's because there was probably some demonic uh, activity there that was uh, directing them. And, and so we, we uh, first of all, we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, and then that, that does a, a lot uh, to protect us. However, that doesn't do anything for the outside. So they can't get in you, but they can get, they can get around you. They can get in your li- or around your life. And, and, and so the next thing that you want to do is you want to resist temptation, because that's what uh, the enemy is going to do, is they're going to tempt you. We saw this last week, with, or two weeks ago, with, with uh, Jesus himself. Satan came, and he tempted him. And so that's, that's kind of what the fallen angels do, is they, they tempt us, they distract us. And I would say especially addictions. And so uh, addictions have a way of, of controlling us, and keep, so we keep on sinning. And that's not what children of God do. And so resist temptation, especially addictions, especially things that are addictive. If you have uh, uh, those kind of issues, I would encourage you to repent and to seek help for those things. But not even the addictions, just uh, temptation in general. If there's some things that you need to repent of um, to protect yourself, I would, I would confess those things and, and turn from them. And then I would say uh, avoid the occult. Um, so uh, this is very popular in the younger generation. You can buy uh, How to Be a Witch kits on Amazon, you know, and, um, and they'll send you a box and, with potions and spells, and, and, um, and it's legit. Like, it's not like a pretend, like, toy. It's like, um, the, like how to start this, how to become this person, you know, and so um, this occultic spells, potions, um, all of those things are demonic in their roots. Ouija boards, it's one of the top-selling toys. Um, it's kind of scary out there. So, so we have to communicate to the next generation, hey, you got to watch out for these things. You got, these things are real. Because uh, I, I believe that the young 
kids are actually seeking the supernatural. They want something. They, they're looking for something. It's not just a, pretend. It's not just a game for them. They are seeking supernatural, and guess what? They're going to find it. Um, but I'd rather them find the hope of God rather than um, the, the occult and, and things like that. And so uh, we want to make sure that we know um, that, that we're avoiding those things. And, and, and then lastly, we, we need to put on the full armor of God. Uh, this is the biblical instruction on how to avoid uh, demonic activity, and we see this in uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 13. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. Why? That you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but who do we wrestle against? But against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So what do we do? We take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. And so to avoid preaching an entire sermon on the armor of God, I left it out. But if you want to, uh, feel free to read Ephesians chapter 6 um, yourself. And it talks about the helmet of salvation and the breastplate of righteousness and the sword of the Spirit and, and uh, all of those things, um, uh, the shield of faith, the shoes of, of readiness. Anyway, so, um, but, but those things are important in order to withstand on that evil day. And so in order to overcome temptation... We need to have faith. We need to be strong. We need to be righteous. We need to do those things. Amen? Amen. All right. Let's jump back into Luke chapter 4, verse 38. And he arose and left the synagogue and entered Simon's house. Now Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a high fever, and they appealed to him on her behalf. And he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately she rose and began to serve them. Now when the sun was setting, all those who had, had any were sick, <laughs> wait, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. What I find fascinating is that in none of these cases did Jesus heal because of the person's faith that was sick, the person's faith that was um, sick, but, but because of the faith of those who were close to them. With Simon, uh, with Simon's mother-in-law, it, was, it wasn't her that said, Jesus, heal me. They were advocating for her. They, they, uh, they appealed to him on, on her behalf. They went to Jesus on her behalf. It, it wasn't the sick that were going to Jesus. It was, the, it was the sick that were being brought to Jesus. So here's my question. Who are you bringing to Jesus? Because if we're not... <laughs> We have to be, who are you appealing to Jesus for? Who are you praying for? In church, we have this fancy word for what we're talking about, and it's called intercessor. It's, it's, it's when we pray for the needs of others. If you pray for the needs of others, you're an intercessor. You're going to God on their behalf. And, and I believe that God wants to raise up some prayer warriors. I believe that God wants to build up some intercessors in this, in this house. And so uh, if you want to know, if you want to know, bless you, if you want to know more uh, about this, I would encourage you to come 
on Wednesday night. We'll talk about it. All right, Wednesday night prayer meeting at 6 p.m. in here. We do communion. It's a good time. We have worship, uh, and we're going to talk about intercessory prayer, and it'll be good. Um, so come then. But, but that's one of the ways that we protect others is, is through intercessory prayer. We, we need to pray for others. Um, I, I have uh, a, I printed a, uh, a, like four pages of all the members of Life Fellowship. It's on my desk right now, and I pray for each of you every month. Um, and then every month I have to update it because there's new members, praise God. And so, um, yeah, and so we, uh, we've had four to five new members every, going through Growth Track every, every month for the last, since January. So it's kind of cool. If we do that, we'll have 60 new people every year. So that's kind of fun. That's a side. But, but I, I'm just saying that, that I believe in intercessory prayer, and I believe that it's important to pray for those in your life, and, and that's you for me. And so who are those people for you? Who are you lifting up in prayer? And um, I believe when we pray, things happen. And, and I, I believe that when uh, we pray, God responds to the prayers of his people. He sends angels to, like we see throughout the Bible, he sends the answer. And so we, we need to be lifting up others in prayer. And in this case, everyone was healed. The, uh, Simon's mother-in-law was healed. Everybody that he, they Everybody that was brought to Jesus was healed. Verse 41. And the demons also came out of many, crying, You are the Son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew that he was the Christ. So this is the second time that Jesus rebukes the demons for declaring him as Christ. You might ask, why would, Christ, why would Jesus want to stop them? They're, they're sharing the gospel. They're telling people that Jesus is the Messiah. Um, but but he, he, he's stopping them. And I believe there's two reasons. One, this is a covert mission at this point. It's not, it hasn't um, come time for him to be revealed as the Messiah. And I, I honestly believe that his compassion for people has overwon the, the perfect timing. Um, uh, I know God has perfect timing, but, but, um, but it seems like he was on this mission, and then he's just compelled to help people. And so now he's got demons saying, hey, this is Jesus, this is the Son of God. And um, so I think that that's one reason he was trying to, because it's a covert mission at this point. And then the second reason is they're demons, and uh, demons don't make a good marketing team. You know, you don't want demons promoting you. Uh, it's just not good. Uh, so so that, I think those are the two reasons. They say there's no such thing as bad publicity, but I, I think they're wrong. Uh, I don't think you want, you want demons uh, creating, creating a fuss about you. So we, we see his purpose in, in these final verses and um, in verse 42, and I'd, I'd like to go ahead and ask a musician to come. Uh, this will take a little bit, but I, I'd like to sound more spiritual. <laughs> verse 42. And when, when, it was, when it was day, he departed and went into a desolate place. Kind of pause and say, do you have a desolate place? For me, desolate places are very important to get away, to, to get recharged, and maybe you're an extrovert, and you're like, no, I just need people all the time. Every, but I, I'm an introvert, and so I need to get a, into a desolate place and get alone with the Father and, and pray. And, 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 and so that's, that's what Jesus was doing. He, he had a habit of that, and so he, he departed. He went to a desolate place, but the people sought him and came to him and would have kept him from leaving them, but he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well. For I was sent for this purpose. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Judea. 
So his mission was to preach the good news of the kingdom of God, and his compassion drove him to heal, to deliver, and to feed, and to do all the things that he did for people. But as a church, we have to reflect that. As a church, our mission is to preach and teach the gospel, and it's also our heart to show compassion to those who are in need. And as a Christian, can I tell you that the two main things that you need to focus on are sharing the gospel, and you need to focus on showing compassion. You need to focus on loving others in that way. That's how you love others, is by sharing the gospel and showing compassion. Everything we do here at Life Fellowship falls under one of these two things. We're either worshiping God and sharing the gospel, or we're showing compassion to people. I, I, I get uh, some flack because I, I want every dime that we spend to be used for those things. And I'm like, I've got my, I've got my target on the donuts. I'm like, those aren't helping. You know? <laughs> How is that? And I, you know, so the staff have to teach, tell me, well, it's in, it's, people come because of the donuts. I'm like, who's coming because of the donuts? We like the donuts. But anyway, uh, so I'm fighting the donuts. But so you can write a comment and like tell me, I love donuts. But, but I'm just like, I... I'm just, I'm strict, and if I'm not, if I don't focus, if I'm the leader of this thing, I think, I don't know, and so uh, I have to, I have to direct us to where we're going, and, and what I see Jesus focusing on is sharing the gospel, sharing the good news, and showing compassion to people, and that's what I want to do as a church. I want to share the gospel, and I want to show compassion to people, and, and we have to protect our purpose. So that's, that's my purpose. That's the purpose of Life Fellowship. But I would tell you to protect your purpose. Protect your purpose. The people, they, they wanted to keep Jesus from leaving. But he said, I must. He said, I was sent for this. We have to have those things in our lives that says, no, I, I must do this. I, I have to pray first. I have to, I have to go to church on Sunday. Can you play a game? No, I must go to church. Where does it say that in the Bible? I don't care. I must go to church. I, it's important for me in my life and as my mission. I'm coming to the house of God. I'm going to meet regularly with people. And I'm not, you know, go on vacation. If, if there's a game, you know, uh, just ask for forgiveness or something. I, you know, but, but don't miss. I, I would say don't miss like half the summer because of, anyway. I, whatever those are, those aren't even, that's, that's me putting my thing on you. That, that's, not, that's not what I'm saying here. But, but here's the point. What is your purpose? Are you passionate about the Lord? Are you passionate about the things of Christ? Um, ma- own it. Make it yours. Don't, don't just, well, Dakota said, no, what do you think? What do you believe? Why do you do what you do? Because you're never going to get up and pray and read your Bible every day if you're just saying, well, Dakota told me to. It's I want to, I believe in this, this I must. And once it becomes that, then it doesn't matter if people are pulling at you or, or telling you to stay. Jesus said, I, I, I must. He didn't even say, I'm sorry. He just said, I, I've got to go. I have a mission. Our mission here at Life Fellowship is to encourage and equip you to become all that God has created you to be. And God has called us to share the gospel. So we're going to look at some things. Because I, 
I've been asked to share. Uh, a lot of things happen behind the scenes, and, and um, sometimes we need to share and celebrate together. And so um, uh, one of our, our, our mission is to share the gospel, and, and can I tell you that we've had 22 baptisms so far this year. That, that means that people, people are, are making decisions to follow Jesus. That means that the gospel is being communicated and that people are being transformed by God. I, 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 would, I would love to see, I say crazy things sometimes, but I would love to see 20 people get baptized every month. You know, I, I, I believe that that's possible and maybe I just have too much faith. I don't see where that's a problem, but, but I believe that the best is yet to come. And these aren't just numbers. I don't care about numbers. These are real, live people of all ages and backgrounds. Uh, and I, I can't wait to see what these 22 people do for the kingdom of God because of their lives that, have, that they've changed and they've decided, I'm going to walk in obedience to what God has called me to do. Not only has God called us to share the gospel, but he has also showed, uh, uh, called us to show compassion and love to people. And so I was thinking about all those things that those 22 people could do for Jesus this year. But then I, I, I thought about Sunday a couple of weeks ago when the storm knocked out the power. And, and there was about 20 to 30 of us that met in the parking lot with trailers and chainsaws. And we, uh, we went and, and we cleared 17. Uh, since then, we've cleared 17 properties. Um, uh, and, and it's amazing what, what nine men in a chainsaws can do, you know? Like if you have, if you have nine guys with chainsaws, it's kind of scary. Um, but it's scary how fast things happen. But you know, like, I, I think it's scary what, what nine men could do with the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, I, uh, Benny uh, Curtis had a handsaw. Everybody else had chainsaws, but he had a handsaw. And he was keeping up with them, honestly. But but I, I just, what can we do with the power of, of how, how much faster can we move? How much more can we do if, if we have the power of the Holy Spirit on our side? Um, but yeah, 17 properties cleared, the fallen trees brush and, brush and debris. Um, I'll, I'll say this, we have a compassion ministry where we, uh, it's a fund that you can give to um, that, that we help people that are in need, but it's not just a hand out, it's a hand up. And so we sit down with them, we come up with a plan, we, we help them, and we have, uh, you know, we create a strategy. And, um, but through that, we also do financially assist them. And, and so far this year, uh, we've given uh, $1,870 towards rent and gas and vehicle repairs. Uh, we, we've helped with prescription medication costs. Um, and, and so that's, that's amazing. Um, we, we've been called to take care of the widows and orphans. Uh, so far, we've, we've helped 24 children through Care Portal uh, this year, uh, and that's just March. That's just since March. So uh, 24 children in um, four months, 24 children that we've been able to, to help. If you don't know about Care Portal, uh, it's an app that DHS can contact us and say, uh, hey, we have a family that's in need. Can you provide these things? You know, can you provide a mattress? Can you provide a refrigerator? Can you provide, a, and it's a variety of things, different things, but we as Live Fellowship can step up and say yes. And so if you're interested in that, you can come talk to me um, or Joy in the Connection Center. And then 
I'll say this, that, that we've, through our local partnership uh, with Hope is Alive, we, we've given uh, $2,500 in support, and, and then we've, we've provided meals for them, we've uh, volunteered uh, with them, we, we, uh, we've even done some yard work and, and spread mulch around and stuff like that for them. But, um, but, but Hope is Alive is a, an amazing organization that um, helps with recovering addicts, recovering uh, uh, people that are, are dealing with um, drug addictions, uh, alcohol addictions, things like that. And it's an amazing uh, ministry that we've partnered with. And plus, there's, there's tens of thousands of dollars that we've, been given, that we've given to missions, missionaries uh, uh, throughout the world um, since, since January. Um, but, but here's my point. I, I, I don't, if I don't protect the church's purpose, we, we might not have a Wednesday night prayer meeting. We might not have a kids program in the summer. You know, it's a good time to take off and take a break. And, and, and we might slack off in certain areas. Or we might spend too much time and money and energy on something that doesn't really matter and it's off mission. And so I have to make sure that we're heading in the right direction. And we have to make sure that we're hearing from God and that we are obeying Him. And so my question is not necessarily about Life Fellowship. My question is, what is your purpose? What is God calling you to do? I can't answer that question for you, but I, I'll tell you that it's worth finding and it's worth protecting. And so you, we need to protect ourselves from demonic influence. We need to protect uh, those around us through prayer. And, and we need to protect our purpose. 